Good, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Good, good to see you, brother. Well, good morning. I feel like I'm at the uh, men's uh, breakfast yesterday where everybody's kind of a little slow getting in with the coffee and the food. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, uh, speak to you today. Our passage uh, this morning will be in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12. Before that, uh, I don't know if uh, Billy Cochran is in here, but uh, I thought uh, Billy did an excellent job the, the, past, uh, the past two weeks. It's exciting and how the Lord is working and uh, he and Madison in their family's life. And I'd like to kind of bring that into play a little later in uh, one of my points, but just a, a little quick story on, uh, on Madison and how she came to our church. Back when we started the church, uh, back in uh, 2001, it was, uh, it was a very thrilling time for myself and for my family. It was a great training ground for them with uh, my daughter Jessica and my son uh, Nicholas and my wife uh, Tracy. It was a very exciting time, and um, so I remember those uh, beginning days uh, when we left our, uh, when our church uh, here on Baptist and Flat Rock uh, planted us and, and commissioned us to go out. We had three and a half, we started with three and a half families, and um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great time, and uh, so we picked up a few more when we finally started, and I remember our first uh, service we had a number of people that came and just wanted to be with us and were, wanted to be an encouragement to us, so they came. And uh, we had, I remember like on the first service, I could be wrong, but it was around 70 people. And it was fantastic. It was very, very exciting. And then the next week, we got grown down to about 35. So <laughs> that was the reality, is that we had, uh, we had at that point around 35, I think, that had come to join us uh, after we originally started uh, uh, the uh, church plant team, and then uh, planted the church. And um, so at that particular time, and we did a lot of work out in the community. We did uh, a lot of door hangers. And uh, I see Brother Ken Rapp. He remembers getting our uh, mailers, right? And that's how he came to our church. So at that point, we were meeting in uh, Summit Academy High School. And uh, so we, we wanted to get the word out to the community about us. And one of the ways that we did that was advertising the second service, the Discovering God Hour, and Pastor uh, Ken's teaching. And I remember the, the first um, uh, series that he did was uh, on world religions, and we sent out a lot of mailers for that. 
And so we had around 30 people in that particular week after all the advertising for this series. We had like five families come in, and I remember I was just so excited. <laughs> I mean, we literally almost doubled, you know, uh, doubled the church just with those five families coming in. And one of those families was the Akers family. And um, it was just neat to be able to see here after 20 years later how God has worked in um, um, uh, Madison's life, and she marries uh, Billy, and then Billy comes into the church and uh, becomes a believer, and now he's following Christ, and then Pastor Ken is mentoring him, and he's looking. He's in our pastors and training uh, program, so we're considering him uh, to be a possible uh, church plant. So that's an exciting thing. So uh, Billy was uh, here for the past couple weeks. I thought he did a, he did a, a, a great job, and I thought he la laid a good foundation, uh, his uh, love for the church. And um, he, he talked about uh, the significance of the church uh, in our responsibilities to it in relationship to one another. So what I'd like to do is kind of build on some of the foundation uh, that Billy has laid uh, uh, the past couple of weeks. So I'd like, to, I'd like to take a kind of a step back and just take a, you know, a high-level view, um, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, take a look at the uh, view of the forest instead of, you know, the trees are always uh, right in front of us. And I'd like to use it as a time of encouragement that um, the title I have is How You Participate and Impact the Mission Moving Forward at CBC. So I want you to know the integral part that each of us play in the body and how that impacts the mission. And what I'd like to do is we just, if you look at uh, the handout, I've got a lot of things going on up here, so I might be a little bit uh, clumsy. But uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the responsibility uh, uh, that we have to the body, who's a part of the body, what kind of part we play in the body. Uh, we're going to talk about the responsibility, the roles that we play, and the impact that that has on the mission that we have here uh, at the church. And then uh, we're going to kind of look on a, on a timeline here, responsibility that we have in community from, let's just say you graduate from high school uh, all the way up to where you're a senior, and I'm getting to that stage right now. And then, we're, then I'd like to finish with uh, talking about a couple of opportunities uh, that uh, Pastor Ken had talked about in his uh, State of the Church address uh, back in, I think it was the first part of uh, Feb February. So I'd like to kind of just kind of flesh things out with that and just showing uh, the impact uh, that all of you uh, play um, in that. So uh, before I begin, and I'd, I'd like to just uh, open us in prayer. Lord, we just uh, we thank you for uh, the mercy that you have shown us. There was nothing desirable about us, but uh, you loved us and the work of your spirit, you worked in our lives. And we just uh, thank you for uh, the salvation that you have freely uh, given to us. Uh, I just pray that as we look at your word and we see the integral part that we play uh, within the body, within the local church, and how that impacts the mission, what a great, great privilege that we have to be able to do that. So I just pray that you'll um, um, make our mind, help our minds to be attentive, help me to present things clearly, uh, that uh, you might be able to work these out in our lives to your glory, in Christ's name, amen. So my first point is uh, responsibility uh, to the body. And uh, the passage uh, 
that uh, you have your Bibles open to is uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12. So um, as, I, as we look at this uh, particular passage, um, uh, Paul, uh, he uses the human body as an analogy uh, for unity in the body of Christ. And um, the context is, is that the, the church, church at Corinth, um, they uh, were, some of them were discontent with the parts that they were playing within the body. So as we look at this passage, so for us to get on the same page to be uh, unified, so, so who is a part of the body of Christ? Well, we get the answer uh, in verse uh, 13. It says, uh, for we, were, we are all baptized by one spirit uh, into the body. So if you have made a profession of faith, you've accepted uh, Christ as your Savior for what he has done for you, what we could not do for ourselves, um, then you are a part of the, of the body of Christ. Um, Matthew uh, 3.11 talks about that uh, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. He immerses us with the Holy Spirit um, to become part of the body. So if you accepted Christ, then that's you. You're part of the body. I'm part of the body. So that's a, a, great, uh, a great privilege that we have. We also see that there's many parts uh, that are neither uh, isolated uh, nor independent. So we see in verse 12, it says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. Also in verse 14, it says, now the body is made up of is made up of is not made up of one part but many, so we can see that there's many parts within the body. I mean, you think about the human body, or in all the parts within the human body, and uh, analogy will be given to those in uh, some um, some verses here, but uh, we can see that there's great diversity uh, in the body of Christ, and we all play a particular part that is uh, that is very important. And then also we see that um, um, in verse uh, 15, so um, every, part, every part is essential to the function of the body. So we see in verse uh, 15, it says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. So just think about it um, in your particular body. If the, if, the, if the foot said, because I am not a hand, I don't want to be a part of the body. I mean, what kind of dysfunction would that cause within your body? So you can see that uh, Paul uses, you know, this analogy of the human body to just to show us that uh, every part is important in the body. Uh, as we go down to verse 17, it talks about even smaller uh, portions of the visible body. It says, if the whole body were an eye, who would sense or hear, or, or of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So you can see with these particular visible parts of the body, with the, with the ear, I mean, it's a smaller visible part, but it's an integral part in the body. I mean, if you can't hear, it's, it's hard to function. You know, if you can't smell, um, it's, it's hard to function as, as, your, as your body intended, as God intended it uh, to be. So if, if we see um, those in, uh, in the church of Corinth here where they are 
maybe discontent with the particular body part or the part of the body that they uh, would fulfill, then, you know, uh, who is to question that? Why would we question that? I mean, if this is a particular part that we're supposed to fill, well, I think um, verse 18 um, answers that for us. So we see that God has arranged the parts of the body just as he's wanted. It says in verse 18, but in fact, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted it to be. So who are we to say to the maker on what part of the body that we are going to play within the body? So we can see that God has divinely arranged all the body parts within the body. And in verse 19, it says, all play a different um, I'll play a, a different part in the service of the body. So in verse 19, it says, if we were all one part, where would the body be? So if we all wanted to be the eye or the head of the body, that was, we think that maybe that is more prominent roles of the body. If we, were all, if we all played that part, where would the body be? I mean, how would we function as the body of Christ in all that the church would to, uh, to carry out? Also, we see uh, in verses um, uh, 21 through 26, we see that each member is uniquely gifted and has no more value than another. So let's take a look. Let's jump down to verse uh, 21 and through uh, 26. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with great honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with a special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body and that its parts should have equal concern for one another. So as we can see in these verses, the problems that the church in Corinth had with their discontentment. You look at uh, verse 21, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So if you were a prominent part in the church, then you can't look down on somebody and belittle them and say, look, you know, you really don't play an important part here. So you're belittling uh, somebody. And then also it gives an over, you overestimate your value to the body. So we can see that uh, from these verses that um, we all are on uh, equal footing. Now there is priority in terms of what the uh, priority in terms of our worship that we do uh, with the preaching of the word. Uh, so there is some priority, but in terms of when we fulfill these, um, these parts within the body, there is, there, we're all on equal footing, and we're not, not one part is more important than the other. And you can just see within on how the body functions that if we do not fulfill our part, uh, then it has, it has consequences on the body. And getting back to our part in terms of being able to, to impact the mission that we have here at, uh, at Community. And what do I mean by the mission? So we're glorifying God by worshiping Him through the preaching of the Word, by singing praises to Him. 
We come here to edify you uh, through the uh, teaching of the word and so that we can go out. Once we leave these doors, we have a mission to accomplish. So we're to be salt and light in our community. And so we're out there, we're talking to neighbors, we're talking to individuals at work, trying to have an impact on them. So wherever we're involved, whether it's we're helping the Little League team, whatever it might be, we're involved in the community. So we go out there and we're spreading God's fame. We want to see others come to Christ so that they can be true worshipers of him. So that is what we mean by, what I mean by uh, the mission and all of us having a part in that. So as we look at uh, verse 27, we see that uh, it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What a great privilege it is to be a part of the body of Christ. That we can bring glory to God by the preaching and teaching of the word, by singing praises to him, and that we have a mission in life to be able to accomplish in our communities, to be built up so that we can go out and, and, um, and serve him. So, I mean, that's a great privilege. Do you, and everyone has a part in the body. So do we take that, do I, we take our part in the ministry that we play within the body? Do we take that seriously? Or is it just something that, um, you know, and again, I know that we can all get into our routines where we come in here thinking, how does what I do really fit into the overall mission of the church? And um, we're all susceptible to that. So what I'd like to do is really try to bring out the impact uh, that we have within the church. Um, Romans uh, 12, um, that... um, we are to live sacrificial lives, not because, that, um, uh, because of forgiveness of sin, because Christ has paid that for us. He's taken care of that. But we live sacrificial lives because of God's mercy to us. He saved us. There's nothing desirable about us. It's a great privilege that we can play a part in God's, in God's household. So what I'd like to do is, is kind of transition to our roles that we play in life and how that impacts the mission as well, because it does play a big role in, in, um, in the impact of the mission. So women. So how do women impact the mission um, at our church? And this is, I, I, I believe it's very important because recognizing that women have influence. They have great influence. And I'll show you three areas here that, uh, that you have influence. And it's very important that you recognize that because you can either use influence positively or you can use it negatively. So I'm going to give you some areas, and you do have influence. And um, I believe that women have as much influence, maybe sometimes more than men, to be quite honest with you, because women have, are very, they're better at relationships than what men are. Um, Guys, uh, in fact, we just, uh, uh, our brother, we had uh, speaking at our men's um, breakfast yesterday, we got together for dinner, and uh, we had a very nice dinner, and uh, it was a long dinner for us. It was an hour and a half. Well, the ladies, they got together for dinner, and um, 
their dinner was a lot longer than ours. It was probably half of it. But they invest in relationships. Men, I mean, sometimes we're, we're, we're kind of vulnerable. We don't want to admit it. And we don't dig deep into our, we don't build the kind of relationships that women do. So women have great influence and they have great influence in the church. And just recognizing that, you can either use it positively or you can use it negatively. Here's one area. Uh, women, wives, they influence their husbands either positively or negatively. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 34, it says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. Now, that's just a reality. I don't want to overdo um, this verse in the context of the verse, but it's a reality of life that husbands, men, we want to please our wives. We want to do that. So if, depending on how you know, the wife were to handle that influence, again, you could do it positively or negatively. And I believe that if you're working together, that mar marriage is a partnership that you're not to, in terms of the mission, where, hey, look, let's, let's look at some, doing some other things. I mean, so we're not centering our family around the mission in the local church. So there can be different desires maybe that you have. Maybe they're not all bad, but I mean, over time, it takes you away from, from the mission. So again, that is just one area. That's one of the things I appreciate about my wife is that we have a partnership. We have a partnership in the ministry. And I can't always say that we always, you know, uh, did that perfectly. I know from, from my perspective, I always didn't handle that uh, perf uh, perfectly. But um, that's what I appreciate where our marriage is right now, that we're able, it's a great privilege to be able to serve together in the areas that we do um, to impact the mission and to be a benefit to the body and to help one another out. Another influence is uh, your influence uh, with children. And up to a certain age, I mean, and this is where a lot of the influences are set uh, with uh, rearing children up to a certain age. You have a great impact on your children. It's like my uh, little Harrison. He runs to, he runs to mom. He runs to, runs to Jessica. And uh, he loves his father as well. But at that early age, and I, I knew that with my kids as well, is that they would go to mom. Later on, they kind of looked at dad and they say, okay, I guess you're around here for a reason. Uh, <laughs> you know, how can you impact my life? So let's look at some verses in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit down, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And I believe this is the way that the godly men, or excuse me, godly women, rear their children. I know with my wife is that she was constantly um, uh, emphasizing the word of God. She would always 
spring it. It wasn't that she would, you know, hey, I'm just going to discipline you with the Word of God. No, but a couple of things that, that, that she did was that she centered our family around the church. And when we started this church, that's what we had to do. And it had great impact on my kids. So it wasn't that, again, there's a lot of things we can get our, our kids involved in, and a lot of it's good. And, you know, sports or, you know, gymnastics or ballet or whatever it is. But our kids need to know that our lives as a family, we're going to center it around God's work in our local church here at uh, CBC. And then also involving them in the ministry that we have here. And, you know, every parent can say, hey, look, there's mistakes I made. We all make mistakes. The two things that we tried to do, though, was that we, um, we tried to center our family around the church, and then we involved our children in the ministry. And I think that that has had a huge impact on our kids. And um, so in the early days, like I said, we would, we would do door hangers. I loved it. I'd get the wagon out, load the wagon up full of door hangers, and we would, um, we would uh, go to... to take door hangers, put them on the door. I'd teach them how to do it, and they would do it. Jessica would go up there, and she would do it. Nicholas would go ahead and do it. And um, there's, uh, there's great benefit into that. So the, our children got to see on a level that they could participate in the glorious privilege that we have to serve in the local church. And I'm telling you, those two things, I believe, made a, a great impact on them. You could ask them um, if you would like to. Um, the third area of influence is that women influence other women. And this is a key area, is to have this be positive in our communications with one another. Okay, I, I, I know that we can all get together and, you know, we can talk about the problems <laughs> that there are. The problems at the church, the problems with the leadership of the church. There's always going to be those problems. But how do we handle those problems? So are we going to build others up? Or are we going to pile on the problems that are out there or be constructive about it? So again, you've got great influence. And that's what I appreciate about the women of this church is that they're trying to be godly influences on one another to encourage you uh, in the entrusted ministry uh, that we have that's um, um, a ministry for the, uh, for the young mothers of the church. And it's, 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 it's a great time. I mean, that's a way to build them up to build those uh, principles um, uh, in them. So uh, also the heart-to-heart -heart ministry. You know, I see that there's more mentoring going on within the church. And that's great. And that starts with relationships. You build relationships. So that way I get an opportunity to meet you. That also gives me the opportunity maybe to say some things to you, not to... Um, um, uh, belittle you, but to, to help build you up. So using those relationships, women have a great impact on this church. And we recognize the influence that you have, and we appreciate the influence that you have. So I just wanted to encourage you in that way. So how do men impact the mission? Men, we impact the mission by leading. We, we lead at home, and we're going to lead at in the church. 
I've done a lot of work with uh, men through the years uh, in our men's ministry, and I've, I've enjoyed it. But uh, one of the things that I've learned about men, and I learned about myself, <laughs> is that we're spiritually passive. And we need to recognize that, that we're spiritually passive. And it, all, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3 with Adam, with Eve. We are spiritually passive, and that really carries through to this day. And I know in my own life, there was a time when I was spiritually passive, and even now, I have to, I have to fight against that. So we have a, um, uh, Dr. Combs uh, leads a ministry here, uh, Growth Partners. And I think that that's an excellent place to start um, with learning. It gives you um, a 20 um, uh, spiritual qualities that you can measure. Uh, the measure of a man is the name of the book that you go through. I think that's a great place uh, for you to start. Uh, those, uh, those 20 qualities were taken from uh, 1 uh, Timothy 3. And uh, Titus 1, those were uh, qualifications for an elder and for a deacon. And so in this book, they've got these 20 qualities, spiritual qualities, that you can, uh, with your uh, mentor, basically kind of go through those and be able to walk through those and build the character, the godly character that you need to have to lead in your home. Because if you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult for you to be able to, to lead at home and to lead into the, in the church. Uh, we've got uh, 1 Timothy 3, 4. It says um, uh, that a man, he must, uh, or an elder, he must manage his own family well and see to it that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Now, again, that's for, for an elder in the church. I mean, you can't lead God's family if you can't lead your own family. In our men's ministry, um, a couple objectives, and I mentioned it yesterday, that we have is for you men to learn on how to manage your, your household well. That's a real desire that we have for each man here. We have a number of programs that we go through. Uh, we, we go through a program, what is manhood? We talk about baggage that we bring into life, we bring into marriage, being able to identify it, address it, so that we can be able to move on with our lives. Uh, we do a lot with... Um, a uh, real practical application on how to treat your wife, uh, how to um, uh, rear your children, how to have a game plan for your, for your children before they, uh, before they get out of the house. So uh, we try to help you in that manner. We also have, uh, we just went through the Conquer series, and that gave us great instruction on how do you live a pure life. In this culture, it is imperative that every man, I believe every man needs to go through this program. We're all susceptible to this sin. Jesus said, if, if we look at a woman lustfully in our own minds, we've committed adultery already. So that is, that's the standard of, of sinfulness in that particular area. Now we all fit it, men, we all fit into that area. We all need to be into this. Look in Proverbs, it talks about the, the wayward woman and where you had to go to meet her during that time. Just pick up your, 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 your cell phone. I mean, that's right there. So these are areas that we deal with. Financial Peace University help you to be able to uh, lead your uh, family financially. So again, we 
try to help you every way that we can for you to be able to lead in the home and then look at uh, potentially leading in the church. Uh, Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Men, that is major league responsibility. To love your wives is Christ loved the church. So if we're going to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we need to have a purifying love. Okay? We need to be the gatekeeper of what comes into our homes. I just got done talking about you know, sexual sin. What, what are we allowing into our homes? What are we allowing on our TVs? What kind of entertainment is the family going to participate in? Okay, it's being able to scrutinize that. So we've got a purifying love for her. So we're, we're concerned about that. What are we bringing into the, into the household? I'm concerned. We should be concerned about our wives coming to spiritual maturity. And that's tough as men. If you're not going to engage, it's just not going to just happen. It's not going to happen through osmosis where you can put a book on your pillow and lay your head down and all of a sudden you're just going to you know, load your brain. And you know, we're, this is not automatic. I mean, you're going to have to expend some energy here. So we offer a lot of things. And again, I'm not trying to build you up, but I'm just saying you have major impact on your, on your family. Last thing I'll um, leave with just at home Men is um, uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death, and this is such a crucial area. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> my wife, if she <laughs> she's founded on me in this area, it's like you don't understand the weight of your words. And it took me a while, and I finally learned my lesson <laughs> that my words do mean something in the family, and um, they mean something with your kids. So you need to be able to uplift your kids. You need to, that impacts the mission. That impacts the future mission if we get that wrong. It impacts currently with my wife and how she interacts with other women and our children if we don't, if we don't get that right. And we need to really realize that our words really do matter and we need to be able to build up. The family. You need to be able to build up your words, your wife, with words of encouragement and what she means to you. Tell your kids you love them, uh, you're proud of them. And this impact uh, leads into the church. And um, not all will serve in leadership of the church, uh, but we do provide opportunities for you to be able to lead in the church. I think it's a great privilege. Um, I thank the Lord uh, being able to um, serve this uh, church in, in, in these capacities through the years, uh, but um, we do have opportunities to be able to um, involve you. We have a leadership institute that we go through. It's a, uh, basically a four-year program. We like for our, our deacons to have at least two years of this um, under their belts um, before they, they go into leadership. So again, we have the opportunities available if any of you men want to take advantage of that. And we need to have men lead. We need to have men lead. This is not a closed group here. Pastor Ken wants to expand this group, okay? And who knows, some of us will be dropping off here for too long, and uh, we need to have 
young men and men coming into to leadership. Now, you might be saying, Rich, uh, you know, I don't have children, I don't have a spouse, how do I impact uh, uh, the body as well? Well, uh, if you flip back a couple of pages in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul deals with that in chapter 7. Um, in verse uh, 32, he says, I would like for you, this, uh, there was a crisis that was in the church, so it was difficult. It was difficult to be married. It's difficult to have children at this particular time. But um, uh, Paul says, I would like you to be free from concern. You know, an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affair. So we can see here from this verse that, um, that this is preferential. Paul mentioned it. It's obviously, he's not saying that don't get married. He doesn't say that in, that, in uh, chapter 7. But um, he's just saying that um, you're, you have freedom. You don't have some of the things that um, a married person has to concern themselves with. So, and the goal is, is that um, in verse 35, it says, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So you have great opportunity to live in devotion, undivided uh, uh, devotion to the Lord. So again, our church is a family of families. We have single member families and then we have multiple member families and we're all part of this body and we all participate in impacting uh, the, um, the mission of the church. I'm kind of running out of time here, but uh, uh, point three, uh, responsibility and community, the progression of serving. So what I like to do is just kind of pull things together because sometimes I'm a visual guy. I like to see how things work together. So I'm going to start here with the, uh, with the youth. We'll call them the college and career. And, and, and young people, so this will be post-high school. You, got, you bring energy and strength to the church. And you see the enthusiasm. Well, last week, you, know, you see me. I'm standing right here. Billy was, you know, he's, he's moving around. He's got more energy than what I've got. Um, so you bring strength and energy. You bring new ideas uh, to the church. And that's all good. And you want to work along with those who have been around a little bit while longer so we can harness some of that. It's not that they're bad ideas. We need to be open to them and, and do them. But, uh, and also it's a period of maturing in your faith and maturing in, in your service. So if you can concentrate on those areas because you're going to start going through the years of life. It's hard to believe that we've been here 20 years since our church. It's gone like that. And um, so the years go by quicker. So if you can prepare yourself, we acknowledge your, um, your energy, your um, strength, your ideas, and we appreciate them and bring them to us because we want to bring you along so that you can help perpetuate this church and we want to see you mature in faith and service. Um, the next phase of life is, I would just call it the prime of life. Whether you're raising a family or you have undivided devotion to the mission. So you're establishing your homes, your families, you're building careers, you're gaining experience. You're getting, after once you get the, point, the kids to a certain point, hopefully you're getting a little bit more margin. You might think those days are never going to come because there's a lot of different obligations that you have with, with children, but they will come where you'll have more time and you'll have more resources. And so with that margin that you get, 
you need to be able to, again, we all have our, our parts within the body that we need to be able to pay, uh, um, play to uh, impact the mission, but also look at um, growing in areas of responsibility. So being able to grow in, in different areas. And uh, we all go through that. So maybe you've been in a particular ministry for a certain period of time. As the older, and we'll see, as the, um, the mature saints start to pass the baton, we need individuals who can come in to be able to fulfill those roles. If we don't have individuals who are going to fulfill whatever roles it is, it could be teaching roles within the church, it could be leading our Sunday school program, it could be leading our outreach program, whatever, then there's problems that are created within, there's voids created within the church. And then uh, the maturing saints, and I put 60 plus for that, and I'm just, uh, I just, I'm there now. <laughs> I don't always like admit it, I'm, I'm getting older. Uh, we're getting older. The next generation's getting older. Pastor Ken had mentioned, you know, he's looking to identify his successor uh, to be able to pass things on. But in this age, we need to be able to mentor the younger generation. And um, again, there's, uh, and I've gone through this with my son, and I like to pull his chain a little bit, you know, and uh, you millennials, you know, you're all the same, and this and that, I'll get him, you know, going, and it's like, he'll come back at me. And so we've had some good dialogue. I mean, how do we reconcile the way I was kind of raised in my, you know, the area, the era I came from to his era? There's some differences. There's things that I learned from him. There's things he learned from me. So we mentor one another. And then being able to pass the baton to the next generation as a church and as leadership moves on and then supporting and cheering them. So again, you know, it's not just, hey, look, here, grab that baton and, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. No, there's, there's, a, there's a process to be able to pass the baton. This is you know, this is, uh, this is very important, the local church, and we want to see it perpetuated uh, properly, and Pastor Ken is leading uh, that particular area. But as you can see on how the youth brings their ideas and how they're maturing in, uh, you know, in their faith and in their service, and then getting into middle age where you're establishing career and families and you're growing in ministry, and then, you know, thinking about how we can help participate in, uh, in perpetuating the church and moving it forward. Pastor Ken has mentioned, and I see it, there's a lot of churches in our areas that are a fraction of the size that they were in years gone by. Why is that? Why is it that they have we've done that? I believe it is because they haven't perpetuated the church properly. And I believe, and Pastor Ken, he said in his church, uh, uh, State of the Church address that he's looking to identify you know, somebody, um, you know, to, uh, to take his place, and he's not going anywhere. He's still going to stay here. He'll be serving in a different uh, capacity. But, uh, but I think that's great. But he's concerned about that there's not a void left in this church. He wants to see it continue on, that the, uh, the work that the Lord has built here. And this is very, very important. So I'm going to end with um, opportunities that we have in the short term. And I've already kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit with Pastor Ken. Uh, he, in his church of the State of the Church address, talks about planting churches. And uh, he's already 
talked a little bit about uh, you know Billy possibly being somebody he's 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 involved in the process right now, but just think about it. Let's just say that uh, Billy ends up planning a church maybe in two to three years. Pastor Ken said, "Hey, you know it'd be great if we can give him fifty people to really commit to this new work that wherever they will plant the church." Okay, now think about it. If we're going to have fifty people that are going to be going from our church to this new church plant, who's going to fill those areas? Now, we're going to be sending people who are going to work, okay? So we're going to, there's going to be some voids. If we're, not in, if we're not working in this process, then there's going to be voids. But I know Pastor Ken, and he will have people prepared to step in. But we need people that are going to be willing to step into those, into those uh, uh, positions to fill that uh, void. Also, another dynamic is the passing of the baton. It happens in every church. Leadership gets older. And, you know, like I said, Pastor Ken's already, um, you know, uh, working in this uh, particular area. So we need to be able to pass the baton on to the next uh, generation. And again, that there's, so they're going to be vacating. There's going to be leaders that are going to be vacating. There's going to be uh, parts of the body that are going to be uh, passing the baton, we need to have individuals who are committed to the local church and to the mission of the church and count it as a privilege to be able to serve, to be able to step in and fill these voids. And it, but think about it, the mission. We're here, the mission is, is that we're glorifying God, that we're worshiping him by the preaching and teaching of his word, singing praises to his name, edifying the saints, and evangelizing a lost world. It doesn't get any more, it, 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 life doesn't get any more important than that. It doesn't get any important than that. But we all play a part. And if we just look at it, this is my tree here, or this is my part, or whatever, and we don't look at it in context, of the local church and how we all play a part together. No one is more important than the other. And we are here to accomplish the mission that God has allowed us to participate in. To me, that's, that's the greatest uh, mission that we could be involved in is, is that the mission of the local church. So it's 12 o'clock, I'm done. <laughs> so I appreciate your... Uh, uh, your patience listen to me hopefully you've uh, gleaned something from this as you think about the area that uh, the Lord has arranged for you to serve in taking that seriously and then also looking at others and how you can help others become part of the mission as well within our church and to see that continue on it's too big of a mission for us just to do that haphazardly okay so let's pray and we'll be dismissed Father, we, we thank you for um, your love for us. We thank you for the great privilege that we have to serve you. I thank you for uh, this body, Lord, and um, the, for the love that they have for you. And Lord, we get that because of your love first to us. And uh, we just thank you for the, uh, the mission that you've uh, given us uh, it, through your church, Lord. I just pray that you might help us to be able to take that seriously. Uh, work through us, Lord, as we glorify you in that. In Christ's name, amen.